Hello and welcome to Careers Talk. I'm Kerry Eustis. For anyone who's finding it tough to get started on a career in this economic climate, Alistair Darling's latest budget seemed to be good news. For younger workers, I've introduced a guarantee of a job or training for every 18 to 24 year old after six months out of work, which is already proving a success. I've therefore decided to use the money saved to extend the guaranteed offer to young people until March 2012. But how much help will this really give to struggling new job seekers? Expert Rob Cross will be joining me in the studio with his assessment of the challenges facing this year's round of graduates. We'll also be hearing from the launch event of the Channel 4 Production Trainee Scheme, an initiative which aims to get new and underrepresented voices into the TV industry. I I love TV. The first line on my CV is, TV has always been and will always be my first love, which is a little bit sad, but I don't, don't really care. We'll have a taster of the best jobs in the top 10. And as Careers Talk wouldn't be complete without Tip of the Week, Julian Lindley will be encouraging you all, interestingly, to be paranoid. But for starters, we must have made a good impression because I have Alison White, moderator on Guardian.co.uk, back in the studio. Hi, Al. Hello. So what Q&A have you picked out for us this week? Well, we had returning to the job market after a break in employment, which uh, all never easy, but then during a recession, even worse. So... Okay. We had various people coming in and sharing their experiences with us, whether they'd had a baby, been made redundant, sadly, or been ill even. So, Okay, so covered quite a broad spectrum. Definitely. What sort of experts did you have for this one? A good mix. Um, we had Women Like Us, which provides women with back-to-work career coaching and helps those who've never worked as well. The Successful CV Company, provider of winning CV and cover letters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baby ladies, which were interesting, that help women before and after birth, but also assist them with planning childcare and working. Job Centre Plus also. And then we also had the Newcastle Business School, Northumbria University. Okay, so quite good, good selection of experts. What was the sort of the key trends and main questions being asked and what sort of people were coming in the most, would you say? Well, um, I'd say, first of all, we had a lot of people fearing a stigma of returning to work for whatever reason it was that kept them off it for that amount of time. But definitely mums, I'd say, encountering a bumpy road back to employment. And a bit sad, really, because a lot of them are talking of a complete lack of confidence after being very despondent, being knocked back from interviews or not even getting interviews. And, you know, really showing that they even face negative attitudes when they've eventually got a job, which is quite worrying, really. Three different people saying they've had problems with line managers or... So what advice did the experts give to the people that were having facing confidence issues and the stigma problem? Okay, well, there's quite a lot of um, different advice. Um, They're sort of saying, stay positive. It might be hard, but it's easy to come across as despondent in your CV and covering letter which you might not even realise, but especially if you've fallen into a rut with rejections, so instead of just firing them out, you know, really try and tailor the CV you're doing and really try and come across as positive in your application. And also, you know, try and get to some workshops. There are various ones mentioned. If anyone wants to see if they can come along, come and have a look at the Q&A, which is still live on the website. But it can be a real confidence booster to get together with other people in the same situation, get your CV up to scratch and have a, you know, talk about it. You know, if you've been at home for five years or more, you know, you can meet people in the same situation as yourself. But above all, they did mention, you know, remember that you've been developing different skills when you've been off, say, on maternity leave. You've learned to budget well, you've learned to juggle your time. You know, you've really sort of 
got skills which are going to be good in the workplace you know and one of the experts mentioned it's easy to forget how good you were before you've taken some time off and just remember you're as good as you were before you know I think it's good advice. Have you got any sort of top tips that you want to share? Sure, sure. Um, you know, while you're using your time away, you know, use it wisely. A lot of people think a big blank on their CV is going to look terrible, but the employers know the job situation is very difficult at the moment. So just enhance what you've been doing, even if it's just a hobby or a bit of voluntary work you've done, you know, they will understand. But of course, uh, especially when you're returning from having a baby, be honest with your employer what you can actually do. Like if you... Um, you say I can work four days a week when you can only work three and a half is only going to listen lead to frustration be completely honest and it'll be better for you and your employer in the long run now just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they aren't out to get you just lock the door there is nobody coming Jim (laughs) yeah there is What are you doing? What the hell do you think you're doing? My job. (laughs) I'm doing my fucking job. A clip from the movie Rush there. And if you've ever felt like that, according to Julian Lindley, in the workplace, a little paranoia goes a long way. Being paranoid is not something I'd probably recommend, especially in your personal life. However, at work, I think a healthy amount of paranoia can be good for you. There's two different parts of this. One is it's really good to be paranoid about your work because it encourages you to have a real belt and braces approach to everything that you do. And then the other part of it is that being paranoid about your career in small doses, I mean, I really don't mean, you know, to the point where you're sort of abseiling down the outside of your boss's house in the middle of the night to see what they're saying about you. I mean, healthy amounts of paranoia are good in the office because it keeps you on your toes and makes you kind of like super aware of what's going on and means that it pushes you on to kind of do everything that you said that you'd do to do the best job you possibly can and keep you really sharp and and on on a really good edge. By paranoia, I mean just listen to the voice inside your head, really, that is concerning you because paranoia grows from worry. And the worry is usually sparked by something someone said to you or an email that you've read that you think sounds a bit weird. And rather than allow yourself to be eaten alive by that paranoia, use it as a positive thing, take action, listen to the worried voice inside you. Quite often, the paranoia is completely unfounded. But all of us suffer from it. All of us have these paranoid thoughts about work. So as I said, rather than be eaten alive by that paranoia, use it in a really positive way to push yourself on. That was Creative Director at Bauer, Julian Lindley, on why you should never become complacent in the workplace or abseil down your boss's house. Now we're joined in the studio by Rob Cross, founder of Grad Expectations, a consultancy which focuses on developing the next generation of leaders through coaching and training seminars. He's also written a book, also called Grad Expectations, which is a guide for graduates entering the workforce. Hello, Rob. Hi, Karen. Thanks for coming into the studio. Thank you. Can we start off in you telling me about how you got interested in graduate careers and consultancy, a bit about your own career, I guess? Yeah, so I started my career um, actually in Australia, hence my accent. Um, and early in my career, I um, I started to realise that I, I wish somebody was would tell me what I need to do to be successful. It's like uh, I've had some fantastic training, I got a, a good degree, but I was sort of sitting there going, I just want the basics. 
And at that point in time, I, I sort of looked across the market and said, is there anything out there that gives you that? And there wasn't. So I thought, I should write a book. <laughs> and that's As what I did. Do. And then just started writing a book. And, and really what I did is to, um, is to try and create something that helps people new to the professional world to sort of find their feet far more rapidly to help them be successful. Because I think it, it's so different as you come out of university into your careers and, and no one really tells you how to do that. And, and that's what Great Expectations is all about. All right, talk me through the basics then. I mean, what are they, would you say, like the key basics? Yeah, so I think that the world of work is so much different from anything you've ever experienced. There's a, um, there's a different vocabulary depending on what industry you're in. There's different cultures, there's politics. Office politics is fantastic, really <laughs> tough to navigate around. Um, and, and it's about just understanding that, understanding what the differences are and understanding, more importantly, what you've got to contribute and how you go about doing that. So some of the basics are, first and foremost, learning how to manage yourself, learning how to, um, to be really effective, you know, managing your diaries, managing um, emails and the flow of information, and, um, and then managing your relationships at work. Because all of a sudden, unlike, um, unlike a lot of things that you've done, those relationships you have are so pivotal to get things done and especially as a graduate coming into the workforce because you're tending to start at the bottom of an organisation and you need people around you to do things. So how do you do that? How do you start to build effective relationships and how do you get people to believe in you to get things done for you? The characters in your book sort of have trouble, don't they, acclimatising to their working environments. It's a bit like what you just talked about. Why do you think it is such a culture shock? You know, some people have had jobs already, they've done work experience. Yeah, why are they struggling so much with that transition? Yeah, so I think there's a couple of reasons. There's there's one about um, I think the life transition that's happening. Um, so um, so what I describe that is 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 that all of a sudden you're growing up and your your career start and you're sort of becoming an adult if if you can sort of use that term. And it's like ah right, so this is work. This is what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. Wow. And, and that's a big shock for people because it's no longer the freedom of university. You've sort of got to get into a routine. You're more accountable for the things you're doing. And, and I think that's a big shock. And the second part of it is is a, the shock about it just being a different world. You know, I was talking to a graduate yesterday and it was fantastic. And, and she was asking for some advice about a project she was doing. And one of the things that she then burst out and said is, Rob, I think we need a really strong project plan with clear governance around it. And I was like, <laughs> Six months ago, you wouldn't have even known what governance meant. And all of a sudden, it's becoming like part of your terminology. And just coming to grips with that and this different language that we use is, is just amazing. Absolutely amazing. Tell me a bit more about how you actually help people to get to that stage then. And, you know, how you sort of uh, prepare them for yep. that transition and what are the techniques that they can do to prepare themselves? Yeah, so I think that the biggest thing for me is helping people just get back to realising that they need to be themselves, to be who they are. So everything that's got them through life to that point to be successful, to get a degree, which is a big achievement, and then to, to land a job, whatever the job that may be, is, is something to be really proud of. But for some reason, a lot of people come into the organisations that I've worked with and they sort of lose themselves. They instantly look around and go, oh, no, I need to be somebody different. And, and what I call that is masking their behaviour. So it's like they're putting on a mask every day they're coming to work. And I've met some really extreme examples of this where people are just sort of so, so um, sort of not depressed but you know really challenged by that that they have to take a deep breath each morning and it's like they're trying to be somebody different and a lot of the basics is just getting them to to relax and just be themselves and and that's about saying well what's really going on here and who am I and what can I really deliver and that's actually getting back to all the things that have helped them in the past. 
Is it better for graduates to perhaps look at internships, maybe on paid, as a good way to kind of bridge that gap before you start your real professional career? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'd really encourage people to to either get sort of industrial placements for a year if they can as part of their degree, or to take summer summer internships. I think it's a really good opportunity to um, to to test some things and see what it's really like, especially different industries and um, and different types of careers that they could get into. Yeah, absolutely, and to get that sense of what the workforce is really going to be like. Also, do you think like the graduate recruitment schemes, is there a room for manoeuvre there? Do you find that graduates have got a bit more leeway to get started, maybe have a bit more one-to-one tuition, maybe than getting into your first job and bam, there you go on day one? Yeah, I think that um, it it very much depends on on the graduate program, so the graduate development scheme that they're on. I've seen such a variety. I've Mm. seen some that are dressed up as like, oh, a fantastic opportunity to develop graduates and it's not, it's just a job. Um, whereas others I've seen which are really fantastic opportunities and really do take them through a structured development program which is which is really good for them and I, and I think um, if you're slightly uncertain about your career then actually going for that more structured approach is definitely the way to go. There's been a survey come out recently it was a target jobs one about graduate expectations and it said you know that they don't really marry their expectations and the realities of the the workplace would you agree with that with the people that you meet and how can graduates bridge the gap between their expectations and the realities of the workplace do you think? Yeah so I, I think with, with any expectations and this is a fascinating one um there's two parties to expectations. There's the expectations that are built up by the organisation. So, so you know, as an organisation, I want to get the best people. So I'm going to make a lot of promises and it's fantastic. We're a great company to work for. And some of that's true. Some of that might be stretched a bit. So that builds a certain level of expectation. The other thing is that, is that um, what expectations the individuals have, the graduates have about, about well, what's it going to be like? You know, and, and they start to build that story up in their own mind. And I think one of the things I would really encourage individuals to do is things like internships. I think that's a really good way to sort of test it. Another thing is to really get out there and talk to some people. So um, there's a lot of, you know, social networking these days is fantastic. There's a lot of forums from different companies. Graduate groups get um, build their own forums on Facebook and things like that. And you can tap into that and ask people what it's really like. And, um, and what I always find is people are really prepared to be honest. And I think getting some of those honest opinions to hear what it's like is absolutely the key. Would you say there are a lot of opportunities out there? Because last year was sort of notoriously bad for graduate recruitment, wasn't it? A lot of people had suspended their absolutely. internship schemes. There wasn't, you know, people had suspended their recruitment as well. What can this year's wave of graduates sort of expect from the job market? Is it going to be as tough? What challenges are they facing? Yeah, so I'd like to give a... Um, it's like going to be brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to give a really rosy answer, but uh, so so what I'm seeing is that uh, things are picking up. I think it is looking more positive. You know, companies are um, uh, are starting to recruit again, and I think that's really good. Um, the the programs are kicking off. There's a lot of strategies out there. I'm seeing a lot of jobs come through for people who run graduate schemes. So the banks are really recruiting heavily again to to kick their programs off, and I think that's really good. The challenge I think we face is that we've all of a sudden got 2009 graduates and we're going to have 2010 plus whoever else is in the market. So I think that the opportunities are going to be there, but um, but I think the competition is going to be fierce. I think, though, that um, I read a quote just recently that said, actually, the recession might be the best thing that's ever happened to Generation Y. Really? And it's like, mm-hmm. wow, that's interesting. <laughs> and got, I think there's probably a few thousand people who disagree. Might disagree, yeah, But absolutely. yeah, tell us more about that. And, and I think, um, and I'm not sure I do agree with that, but, but I think if you dig into it a bit more, it's a bit interesting because you go, ah, oh, well, what does that mean? 
Well, it means that you're trying to, all of a sudden, some of the opportunities that were classically there are no longer there, so that forces people to think in a different way. And I think that could be really positive. So it means that all of a sudden I'm seeing graduates start social enterprises that kick off their own businesses, and and I think that actually that's really positive because we're starting to drive some entrepreneurialism and, and, and no longer are they just sort of getting stuck in the, the nine to five, I need to get this type of job because I've been to university and that's what I'm told I should do, so I should do that. And I think, you know, whilst whilst I think it's still tough and it's going to be tough for a little bit longer, actually some of those things are really positive. We played a clip um, from the budget at the start of the programme. What do you think uh, the government can do for graduates? Is there more that they can do? And what should they be doing to help them out, do you think? I mean, we talked a bit about internships. Is there anything else, do you think? Uh, so I think... Um, I think it's a really tricky question because, uh, you know, everything, even reading, reading the papers this morning, the, the economic situation in the UK is going to be tough for quite a while. So I think there's a couple of things they can do. I'd like to see them, um, I'd like to see them really support business and uh, incentivise businesses to take on more graduates and more interns. And I think they've been doing some of that in the past and more of that would be really positive because yeah. it, gives, it gives the organisation some support to do that. I think some of the other things I'd like to see them do is to create more innovative type schemes where graduates can actually do stuff that's outside of the norm. So set up their own businesses. So, you know, some of the people I meet are just amazing. Um, and you sort of think, actually, why are you wasting time? Why don't you just go and do that right now? And a bit of support around that, I think, would be fantastic. In your experience, and you, know, you must know the market quite well, if there are undecided graduates out there, where do you think they should be heading or concentrating their efforts? Because mm. we know the sectors that are really bad at the moment, but any particular direction they should take? I think my, my advice whenever I get asked that question from grads is to, to lift it back up a level. Is it, because I think it, it, what I love about the university system is that you can go and you can study something that you're deeply passionate about and you really love, and then you go and get a job and you start your career. It's like, <laughs> Isn't, isn't there a bit of a mismatch between those two? And, and I think there's something about if you are uncertain, you step back a bit and, and just look at, well, what do you really enjoy doing? You know, if you're thinking about a particular industry, well, why is that? If I want to work in media, well, why is that? Well, what do I love about that? If I want to work in retail, why is that? Um, and I think that stepping back a bit, just asking some of those questions, mm-hmm. otherwise it's, you know, the classic Alice in Wonderland story, it doesn't matter which path you take because you don't know where you're going. Yeah. I think the other thing I'd encourage them to do is to try and look for opportunities where they can um, they can do rotations and things like that so a lot of good schemes good graduate programs allow their graduates to rotate and that's a good opportunity to get in and try a bunch of different things as long as you're being conscious about trying those and saying well I like that bit of that job but I didn't like that bit I like that bit of that job but I didn't like that bit and then by the end of it you sort of pull it all together and go you know what I'd really like to pursue this. I saw a statistic recently, Rob, and it said that there were more journalism students graduating this year than there are jobs in the entire media industry. I mean, what do you think of that? Should people be staying away from journalism, doing more research? What would you say to people in that position? Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Uh, yeah, I think... Uh, it- it's an interesting thing. So all of a sudden you've swamped the market with more people and there'll be more people next year than there are jobs. That's just amazing. And and total jobs, not just graduate jobs. I think for, for those individuals, once again, you know, if the competition's that fierce, you've got to stand out. So how do I really make myself stand out? How do I how do I use who I am and, and be bold in it? Because actually you've got nothing to lose at that point. What's the worst I can do? Turn you down? Well, you, the competition's going to be fierce anyway. I think the other thing to do is to encourage people to say, if you want to work in media, well, why is that? 
you know, once again, lift it up a level and say, actually, the reason I want to work in media is because I want to communicate to the world. I want to bring really good stories to the world. I want to have a positive impact. And that all of a sudden starts to get to the heart of who you are and what you're really about as a person, which is slightly deep and philosophical. Um, but it starts to ask those questions. And, and what is it about the media industry? Is it the exciting people? Is it the opportunities and all of those things? And I think if you start to get people, you know, massive competition, but starting to ask those questions, what it does is it changes their approach and says, actually, well, the media industry industry or this bit of the media industry is one option I could also do it here I could also do it here I could also do that here and I think by looking at that as more of an outcome of uh, who I am as a person and what I'm really what I really love and what I really do is really powerful because actually no longer you then sort of wedded to a single solution or a single job or a single position but you could be doing a bunch of things that all help you what I call in the book um, fulfill your purpose. Thanks, Rob. That's really great advice. Um, I hope you'll come back next year and we can talk about the next wave of graduates and what the the situation's like then as well. Love to. Thank you. Thank you. That was author and careers consultant Rob Cross. And talking of opportunities for graduates, there's a couple of interesting possibilities in the jobs chart. Bringing you this week's rundown is Hannah Webster from Guardian Jobs and Alison. An art job to open the chart at 10. The museum and gallery group Tate needs a curator to review and develop the early years and family programme and resources for Tate Britain and Tate Modern. At 9, the charity Macmillan Cancer Support is offering a free month internship to a budding copywriter. Number 8 is an exciting overseas opportunity. The British Council Libya is looking for full-time teachers of English for a medium-sized teaching centre in Tripoli. 7 is ideal for anyone looking to get involved in policy. The Government Operational Research Service has research posts for graduates with a keen interest in public service and a good degree. In at six, the University of Plymouth needs a lecturer in English. An interest in creative writing or literary theory would be an advantage. If you're looking for outdoor work, number five could be for you. London Wildlife Trust needs a project officer to plan, deliver and monitor free new conservation volunteering programmes. Number four is an opportunity for a team leader to join Kent County Council to manage a small team of care managers and support workers, providing specialist assessments, social work and support work for deafblind people. At three, the world-class dance venue Sadler's Worlds needs a multimedia officer to work on its website and to edit and encode video content. Number two is an opportunity to join the Book Trust. The charity dedicated to encouraging people of all ages and cultures to enjoy books is looking for a press and events officer. And top of the jobs this week is a post with the Tower Hamlets charity Limehouse, which offers advice, family support, education and employment training programmes. It needs a training development manager to develop, coordinate and manage a portfolio of training initiatives, leading a team of ten. You can find out more about these jobs at guardianjobs.co.uk and as always, do let us know if you do apply and how you get on. Send us an email to careers at guardian.co.uk. Now, last week I went along to the fabulous Channel 4 headquarters to find out more about the Production Trainee Scheme, an initiative which aims to get new and underrepresented voices into the TV industry. I spoke to some previous trainees about their experiences and some potential ones about their career aspirations. Hi, my name is Sarita Jacka. I was interested in the drama part of the scheme and the entertainment bit because you can build up your CV from it. Um, my name is Haki Mulch Forest and I would want to be a singer or producer, so music producer. The new voices aspect is quite a big part of this scheme. What sort of uh, fresh perspective do you think that you can bring? I could bring something different. I mean, sometimes people say, oh, they want to hear things from a young person's point of view. And they think that they get it, but they don't. I don't know. I think I can bring like ideas to help people, like 
that don't know about stuff like this to get a break because like sometimes there's not a there's not a lot of opportunities for like that's out there for people to get into what they want to do it's not really easy for people to get into this industry and stuff like that so yeah you get like television programs um trying to pick up on things like runaway kids or domestic violence and drinking but they don't actually find out what the deep reasons are and so as a young person I'd be able to relate to it. I'd be able to put my input in there to see that it succeeds. I'm joined now by Joe Taylor, who's Head of Learning and for Talent at Channel 4. In a nutshell, what is the scheme, Joe? The Channel 4 Production Trainee Scheme is an opportunity for 18 amazingly talented individuals to get a year's paid placement um, with an independent production company or digital agency in a variety of genres, so games, uh, sport, drama, comedy, entertainment, factual, an opportunity to get a really immersive experience while you're paid to train and be developed. Okay, my name's Adam Pearson, 25, just finished a work experience placement with an indie based in London. And I'm currently looking for some more work experience in the interim of actually getting a, a proper job. I like TV that creates opinion, sparks the bay and kind of inspires people or gets their backs up. I, I despise indifference. Tell us a bit, a bit more about uh, what sort of companies people be working for and what sort of day-to-day -day stuff they might be doing. So the life of production is, as you can imagine, really varied. So say you go for um, a production coordinator role at IMG Media. So IMG Media are going to be one of our main suppliers for the Paralympics and they're looking for a production coordinator. That production coordinator will work with a production manager to book the crew, to book the location, to um, do the call sheet, to book the taxis, to book the equipment, is the absolute linchpin of a production. So really good, strong organisation and communication um, skills and really good Excel um, and Word computer um, are really good for that role. Um, another role, graphic designer um, at six to start. They need someone who's incredibly creative, who's um, used to using Flash and Adobe, who's done animation. So a whole variety of experiences and, and skills. And you don't need to worry if you don't have all of those from day one. You're going to get that throughout this programme. You're going to get a day or two days a month where you're actually going to have hands-on training and come out of the business and then take that training back into your role. So throughout it, you're nurtured and developed um, to become the best person in whatever capacity that is. Hi, I'm Sam Tatlow and I originally applied for the position of production assistant uh, for Clark and Wealth Films working on Misfits. I am now the production assistant on the new series of The Inbetweeners with Bois Productions and I am on the 2009-2010 training scheme with Channel 4's diversity programme. Tell me a little bit more about the application process because you enjoyed it, didn't you? Yeah. So weirdly. 
I absolutely loved the application process. It was quite funny. Nobody ever believes me when I say this, <laughs> but the application form was online and it asked you like four questions about um, what you enjoy in television, what you don't enjoy in television, your opinions. And I just got to talk about television for about 3,000 words. It was brilliant. I really, really enjoyed it. One of the key questions that we ask is what new voice and fresh perspective can you bring to Channel 4? And so what we actually mean by that, the essence of you, which sounds really weird and, and probably even more clumsy, but ultimately what background have you come from? You know, what are your influences? What are the programmes that you want to get made? How is your background, how are your skills, experiences, your attitudes of your life going to impact this wide industry? You don't need to tick a box. What you need to do is give us something different. Don't say, um, I'm young, um, I'm vibrant, I'm the voice of youth. Well, how is that different from all of the young, vibrant, youthful people that are out there? What is it that makes you tick, that you think Channel 4 should know about? I think I'm, I already know the answer, but would you sort of recommend this scheme to other people? And what advice would you give to them as well? Yeah, I would definitely recommend this to other people. Go ahead and be yourself and show them who you are because that's what they're looking for. They want someone who is enthusiastic. They want someone who is willing to learn. Also, don't ever say no. <laughs> Always say yes. It may mean that you do a bit more work, but in the long run, it will open up opportunities. Most importantly, how can people apply? What do they need to do? And what sort of stages are there after they've submitted their application? So applications open on the 12th of April and they're open till the 30th of um, April. It's an online application form, so you can get information on the application form either through going through For Talent or directly through our job site. Throughout the process, we're looking for what makes you tick. Why should we give you that opportunity? And if you get through all of those stages, you'll have an amazing year. That was me at the launch of the Channel 4 Production Trainee Scheme. We're running out of time, but let's have a quick look ahead to next week. Alison, what's coming up in the Careers Forum? Well, March 29th, we have Moving Between the Public and Private Sector, running 1pm till 4pm. March 31st, The Benefit of Public Appointments, How and Why You Should Apply to Sit on Public Boards. Again, 1pm till 4pm. Thanks very much. That brings us to the end of the show. Thanks very much to our guests Rob Cross, Julian Lindley, Hannah Webster from Guardian Jobs and all the lovely TV types I spoke to at Channel 4 Production Trainee Scheme and of course Alison White. I'm Kerry Eustace. Careers Talk was produced this week by Kate Taylor. Until next week, goodbye. <laughs>